Network Podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to Dave Swillam, your host, and you're listening to episode 67 today. So I do kick this off in the Instagram live, and I don't want to be too redundant with a big intro here, but just wanted to let you know what we're chatting on today so that that way, if it's not your style or it is your style, you kind of know what's going on going into this. So today we talk to owner of Events United and Studio Lab. Uh, both New Hampshire born and, and bred companies, but they do a lot outside the state too, especially doing some of the stuff they're doing online that hits stuff globally. So uh, if some of you have been listening along, you might remember some of the pivots I talked about during COVID as we kind of went through and have been you know, covering things throughout the times as we change here because it's just such a fluid time. And uh, we talked about a business owner who did a live events company and pivoted and did a like one of the number one live streams concerts ever the dropkick murphy's live on st patty's day this is him so uh we talk definitely about that we talk about what we think is going to happen with the future of arts and events industry right now with the times we talk about some really cool innovation that is happening in the space and melting pot creatives, like taking tons of creatives and, and why it's beneficial to have them work in the same space and, and what that does to really do that. And uh, just starting out, once again, we, we like many of the people on the, the podcast, we take Tim through his story of starting out the companies so that any of you trying to do some of the same things might get some ideas and some things that work too. So hope you enjoy it. This is episode 67 of the Waking Up From Work podcast. So welcome back, everyone, to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 67 of the podcast today, where we get to work, making work a passion. Is that corny enough? <laughs> I don't know. That's the, my thing. Corny. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but uh, today, um, I've already talked a little bit on, I think I tagged you guys up in some of the episodes, but when we got into all the uh, the COVID game here and we started talking on some of the earlier ones about businesses uh, pivoting and changing and adapting, uh, this is someone whose companies I've already mentioned a little bit because I saw some really cool stuff come out of there and uh, really excited to chat with Tim today. So Tim, if you don't know him, this is, uh, I don't want to butcher your last name, Tim Messina. That's right. All right, sick. From Events United and Studio Lab. So if you're a New Hampshireite, you might know about these places. Events United is a full production company. For all my hardcore friends and all my uh, rock friends <laughs> out there, you probably know them from doing Soul Fest like all the time, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, if you live in Derry or anywhere in New Hampshire, Studio Lab is where we're at right now, is a creative shared space. And you can see from this room in the video, this is like one of many places in here where you have the ability to rent out or work with other creatives in here or do all sorts of things. Tim might go into it more, but this is a, a shared space. We're seeing shared spaces and co-working spaces pop up everywhere, but this is really something that's pretty unique to have, especially in where we're at. So um, Tim, welcome to the show, man. Thank cool. you for, for having me out and, uh, and hanging out in your much more pro setup than I've got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. thanks for having me on, man. This is exciting. You know, and, uh, it's, it's fun to have just, uh, I don't know, fun to talk about this. Um, it's been a work in progress for a couple of years and, uh, I feel like I've been so in the trenches of making all these things happen that I never really get to sit back and just talk about the, uh, ups and downs and nightmares and, and the exciting parts of everything that we've been doing. Um, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been an awesome journey so far. Heck yeah. Yeah. I think like. Obviously, I came here at, uh, and saw this like way earlier in the stage, but every time I have come back, you're a million stages further than where I was at. And I feel like people, I, I've kind of been chatting up on you and I'm sure people are obviously starting to buzz that, but I, I 
I cannot wait until this place we're out of whatever we're doing right now. And this place is just buzzing because it's just a, it's just a spot that's very unique. Yeah. I mean, it's really unique. Um, I didn't, I mean, I've always wanted to do film studios and always recording studios or I was a musician. That was my background. And, uh, I got so excited about the idea of building studios. I don't know why it's just something that I feel like, cause you can create anything in the studio. I think that's why. So whether it's going to be music or you're going to make a movie or TV shows, um, podcasts, right? I mean, anything that creators yeah. can do and, and be in a unique environment really excites me. And I didn't feel like New Hampshire had anything like that. Um, and Events United had grown to a place where we had an opportunity. And this is how Studio Lab was born. So. Yeah, I was actually, I, I will probably dig in even deeper on that. Oh, yeah. Tim later on just yeah. just because it's just like you're saying like it's kind of nice to like I'm so far in this and I'm so doing things and I've seen that in a lot of people who are getting things like this done it's in the personality I feel very often to just like whenever I get something that's great I'm going to then keep trying to get to I always see the next mountaintop right so I'm going to just keep doing these good things but you got to a spot where there's these two different entities do you want to, just for people that haven't, um, you know, they don't know you yet or they haven't been in, in knowing some of these brands yet, do you want to just take some of our listeners through like, how did you get to this spot? Because I remember a story that I heard before I met you that I love the story of, of like buying a uh, used <laughs> truck full of stuff. And then that to me, and I'm not trying to be a kiss ass. I just, I, I really think it's, cool is the ability of an entrepreneur is I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to create from it. Yeah. Of yeah. that. You want to run people through like, where did all this come from? Yeah. I mean, that's the beginning, right? So, I mean, long story short is I went to school for music at uh, Plymouth state and got involved in production when I was there. Loved it. Just loved everything about production. I started doing bigger shows. I was in a couple of bands. They started doing well, playing bigger events as well. And when that was happening, um, I realized like, this is, this is where I want to go. Like I, I want to mix, uh, shows to audio and, um, I became pretty good at it through college, graduated, became a music teacher and, um, three years went by and I just didn't get to do any production and I missed it every day. And I remember one day on eBay, um, this was like 11 years ago, uh, there was a bunch of gear for sale up in Maine and it was like $7,000. And I'm like, well, I'm a music teacher and uh, I don't have any money. I just got married, um, but I really want to pursue this. And so I asked my dad for a loan for seven, seven grand. And he said, no, and I begged him. And he's like, well, fine. <laughs> but like, you got to pay me back. I'm like, fine. So he, he was nice enough and gave me that loan. And I went to Maine and bought all of this broken gear. And, uh, it was, it was like a jackpot to me, you know, cause I had some equipment and it, ironically it was the same equipment I had used in college. So I kind of knew some of it. It was Perfect. like, but I mean, we're going back like, this is like carpeted speakers, like, but right to the time it was like, this is a jam. This is what I want. Now looking back, I'm like, well, I don't know what I was thinking, but you know, broken park hands are all dented and I just replaced the lamps. No. So it, it ended up working out. And, um, yeah, I started a company um, called Messy Productions. Biggest mistake I think I ever made. And, you know, it, I didn't think it was going to be a thing. And then it became a thing. And next thing it was an LLC. And <laughs> now I'm like stuck with this name. It's supposed to be a joke. And everyone's like, dude, your name sucks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You'd already been rocking it. And then like you didn't, you didn't maybe at that time plan with that name or what you were doing that that was going to be it. And then you're like, oh crap, we're actually here. Yeah. Well, we're that's, here that's right. That's right. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I would start doing some, not big shows, but I mean, like for me, a big show was a band playing and, and like some people showing up, like that was a big deal to me. And, uh, yeah. And then like, as it got a little bigger they're like, so did your name, like, am I pronouncing it right? Is it messy? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it was with an I, right. So at least it's, so anyway, yeah. um, that is where I was like, I got to change this name. And one of the core things to me that was so important was people working together and uh, bringing like more creatives together, uh, uh, audio engineers, lighting engineers, everyone that, that are just like in the industry, but not necessarily working in the same company. And sure. 
I was come, trying to come up with a name. I knew I knew wanted the name events in the name. And then it just occurred to me, like United, bringing people together. And uh, that actually wasn't supposed to be the company name. That was a group we, we formed. And then all of a sudden, I made that into our name because it, it was exactly what I was hoping. Interesting. For. Like a networking group of some sort? Literally. And that actually, ironically, is what Studio Lab is today. So, and we can get to that, but how that ended up happening. But yeah, so uh, that gear started growing and growing. Uh, and, and at the same time, there was some equipment that I was going to buy for way too much money. And um, I decided it was a terrible idea. So, um, no, I didn't. Yeah, sorry. I thought it was a great idea. And, I, and it was like $45,000. I didn't have any money, right? I mean, I, like, I had made like seven grand in a year at that point to like, help pay my dad back. And that was it. Yeah. Still and teaching? It, yeah. Oh yeah. Like I was teaching all the time. Hustle. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Full-time teaching and, um, <clears throat> weekend warrior. Yeah, exactly. So I tried to do this stuff on the side, but anyway, so we ended up, uh, going after some equipment. It was some big line array speakers that we'd use for, you know, any sort of event outside. This could do up to like 7,000 people, 8,000 people. So it was a decent size, but it was used and it was $48,000. And I just thought I could take credit cards and buy this thing. I uh, found all my two credit cards, took my two, my dad's. I asked him if I could borrow his credit card. And I went to yep. the company and be like, hey, I'm ready to buy all this stuff. I'm super excited. And he's like, all right, cool. Like, how do you want to pay for it? I said, well, I'm going to pay with these credit cards. He's like, credit cards? Like, Multiple? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I got. He's like, um, sir, I'm just going to tell you, I, I just don't think this is a good idea. And he actually turned me down. That was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. Because right after that, I took a class from a guy named Dave Ramsey who teaches financial planning. Know him very well. Yeah. And I learned how to basically not build debt. So at that point, I didn't have any debt. And I decided if I can't afford it, I cannot buy it. Mm. And from that day forward, and everything you see here has been on the same concept of if we don't have the money, we are not at a place to own it. And so we will wait. So we will make money. I don't care how long it takes. In my case, it would take two to three years before I could really buy anything substantial because I was not making much. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. And then just grow from there and every dollar reinvest, reinvest, reinvest into what we are today. Very smart. Yeah. And it's funny to hear through the story and then hear also that, you know, way of thinking that you have where it is a mix between like that initial truck. It's like, if you didn't take that chance, you couldn't have taken that to grow into something, right? But then also meshing it back with this other mentality of, you know, if I can't afford it, then I won't have it. Yeah. I think that those two are great to have together because you have, you have risk and then you have mitigated risk. That's right. And that's yeah. like a long-term way of like, I need the risk to get growth, but I need to mitigate that for longevity. Mm -hmm. So that's like a great mentality to have. Yeah. For that. I, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I will tell anybody who wants to start a company that, and this is just in general, like, I mean, building up debt is not a way to live, yeah. right? I mean, you can go to bed at night and you can not worry about tomorrow. And even now during COVID, right? I mean, being an event company, we have been just decimated. I mean, we have lost 90% um, of all of our work, uh, which is at this point, uh, it's substantial. And, yeah. uh, you know, we have a full staff and everything. If we had debt on top of this, I don't know what we would do. I really don't. I think that we would shut our doors and I think we would be done. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, and I know there's a lot of other event companies that are in that boat right now. And it's really hard to watch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, so I mean, planning, if people are going to start a business or they're getting into it, I mean, you've got to be really smart about finances. It's so important. It's, it can make or break where you're going to go and how far you're going to get there. Or sorry, how soon you can get somewhere. Um, you have to understand that things take longer up front. And then the question always is, well, then how do I start if I don't have any money for what I want to do? Well, same thing. Maybe be smart and reasonable about how much you're going to borrow to do that. Right. I remember like there were a few gigs that I had for recording or for whatever it was. And I knew how to use whatever the equipment or software was, but maybe I didn't have it. And I definitely didn't have it for when that had to happen. And there have been two or three where I flew by the seat of my pants and I was like, 
all right, hey, if we do this project, it'll be this much. And then I remember, like I always do 50% down for my mm-hmm. studio stuff. Yeah. The 50% down bought me the gear to do the gig that I scored, right. but it was inside there. It was like, I'm not going to buy this unless I need it. Okay, now I instantly need it. And then I have this return of how that's going to happen. So right. I'm now going to use this so that I'm able to do, that's right. fulfill this. It's kind of like, yeah, and and that's the best way sometimes. to do it, right? I mean, in in almost every job, there's always something that you need to add that you may not have, and sometimes you can afford it, and sometimes you can't, and sometimes you have to do exactly that: is use a deposit to get the funds you need to do the project that you know you can do, but there might be a certain tool or something that you need to be able to pull it off. Um, and so, yeah, you gotta. It's just there's times where buying versus renting like for instance if you had to have a gear to record something for somebody or write or you need a special like sound library whatever it is that you're using yeah you know i don't know there's certain you have to weigh expenses on everything you do but anyway i won't get too down into the money talks we we talk that on the show too though i mean that's really helpful for anyone out there that is looking to start a company i think that that is that's not a story that I like to shy away from. I like, I do like sharing that. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. So I guess like between the two, you said it a little bit, Events United Studio Lab is this creative pot, right? It seems like your concepts are, are always about collaboration. They're always about forming a network and they're always about taking a mesh of people that are not the same thing that are creative in some facet and then pushing them together to like create that. Where, do, where does that play into all of this or, or, or why is that concepts? I, I, it, I think it's right. I think that that's why I'll just preface it with this. I, that is why I have a podcast that is about a bunch of different creative entrepreneur lives, yeah. even though I'm an audio engineer and that's mm-hmm. what I care about because mm-hmm. I think that, you learn and you build amazing things with other creatives. But do you want to talk on like everything you've made is about this collaboration and this melting pot yeah, vibe? Everything is. It's, it's, I'm passionate about it, right? So I'm passionate, what I'm passionate about is people working together on a project. The whole reason that I got into the event industry and why I loved it so much is because there was a lot of people working together for one thing, which it can be true about anything, but there's a lot of energy and a lot of speed and very very hard deadlines, but in the end, you get a really cool result. And in the event industry, typically that result is something creative. And the process to get there is creative as well, which is why I also love film. Right. So in, in film, you're taking the same thing, but you're taking it over a longer period of time and working closely with the group. Like I always think back to um, Harry Potter. It was really influential for me because it was a good story, but it was more that these kids actually grew up together for like 10 or 15 years making these movies that everybody else got to partake in experience. And that was what was so, what I love so much is you work really hard on something to show somebody else what has been done to inspire them and give them um, some of their own creative uh, um, ideas spark from those things that you came up with. And, and Harry Potter was a big deal because it was such a long duration and they kept going and the, and like, I just think about those relationships have got to be so strong because 15 what, years, I think so. Right. I think that's right. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking about that of working with someone in a creative space for that amount of time yeah. with some type of storyline to it. That's kind of nuts. Right. And you're bringing all these other people with you and it's the same in the event industry. And that's why I love that. And typically in the event in, in, media industry or film industry, I should say the, all the projects are based on creativity and you're not doing, I mean, yeah, there, there's definitely the business part of it in the background, but it's based on creativity and that's like, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, you get to be with other people that, um, I don't know how to say this. It's, I mean, what, why do I love being with everybody here so much and in this environment? It's because everyone's passions are slightly different in their skill set. You know, Ian is crazy good in camera and cinematography. And then you get, um, you know, Chase, who's amazing at audio. And then, you know, Ryan, amazing at lighting. And you put all these people together and they all have different skills, but in the same world, 
and each person can enhance the other person's vision a little bit further. Right. And I think I just get really excited about that because the possibilities are always continuing. They're never stopping. And it gives you other ideas. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I write better as a musician with other musicians because yeah. they come up with one line. I immediately am like, I love that line and I can come up with more things than I could have on my own. Absolutely. People are fired by other people. Like they just, it brings energy and that is the core concept of why I'm doing everything is the energy is bringing people into one space to energize them and just make them love what they do. Love going to work every day. I always come back to this, this concept that if we break our, lives into thirds we have a third of our life we're basically sleeping yeah a third of our life we're going to be at home or doing things that are not work related or you know going gallivanting around and the other third is probably going to be working and well if one is sleeping it's fine but the other two i want to make sure that we really love both so i want to love my job Mm. as much as i love being home or vice versa and really not wasting any of that time that we're awake essentially and being happy and fulfilled doing those things. Love that. Yeah. That's huge. So how do we go? And I definitely want to get into, I don't want to go all out on, on (laughs) COVID and I don't want to go all out on, on too far in tech, but I definitely want to hit some of those things. But I guess I just want to kind of finish getting to how we got inside this space right here, because it seems from the outside, I mean, with hearing this conversation, it makes perfect sense to me. But how do we get from, you know, building, building up to this events company, doing live production, doing things. And now we have Studio Lab. Like yeah. how, what started that idea? What made it so that now we have this different thing, which intercepts a ton with Events United. We can see this back line behind us, yep. right? They yep. play off of one another. But now this is also a different world here mm-hmm. too. Where did this come from? Yeah, so I'll explain a little bit what Studio Lab is first. So Studio Lab is a creative space basically where it's, it's co-working for event professionals and media professionals um, and, and it houses studios for creatives to use. So like, you know, the film studio, TV studios, recording, podcast. So it's basically a place where you can just create. So that's what Studio Lab is. So how did we get here? Two years ago, um, our lease was running up at our warehouse for Events United and we were running out of space big time. We just did not, we were outgrowing it crazy. We were over by the airport in Manchester. So we were looking for a building and I didn't want to rent anymore. I really wanted to buy. I, I got to the place where the rent that we were paying was going to be the same as a mortgage for the size building that we needed. So it made more sense to buy this building became available and we buy it and we move in. And the idea originally was we're going to tear all this down and the the inside walls and just make warehousing. That's that's all we needed. But then like, you know, so I said, we don't take debt. We do take a mortgage on this building, but that's all. Um, That's for multiple reasons. Um, But the uh, moving in, I was like, man, Okay, so we went from paying like six to seven thousand dollars a month in rent to paying like thirteen thousand a month to be in this building. And I'm like, how are we gonna? How are we actually gonna pay these bills? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like uh, we were still small. It was you know five of us, um, four of us, five that were full time two years ago. Um, and so we move in, and. I, I, I was just like, well, there's all these offices already here from the the last person that owned the building. Maybe we could get some other like creatives to come in and like, I don't know, pay for office space to help us pay the bills. Yeah. And then I don't know what happened. I, I, uh, <laughs> I kind of got carried away. Uh, and now I was like, well, maybe we should keep the studios that were, cause this was a TV station before uh, I needed to be overhauled. But I, uh, I, I don't know, man. I wanted to work and just took a sledgehammer and just started breaking stuff and then rebuilding and rebuilding. And two years later now, we have rebuilt everything except the recording studio, uh, which is now on hold. But uh, it took two years to build all that because we don't borrow money, right? So we put a lot of, and you've seen the building and anyone that comes in was like, wow, this is nice. We spent a lot of time yeah. making it nice because we wanted people here to feel like 
they could bring their clients and impress them and show them that they're legit. That you know, so if there's a graphic designer working from here or someone who does commercials, that they can impress their clients coming in, not with just the studios, but the entire facility. Right. Um, and that became really important to me of that they felt like they were at the right space by the quality of the building. Um, that we're it's in. like, why go halfway in that regard where like out of everything, the aesthetic is like the easiest, obviously not easy to swing a hammer for two years, but I mean like it is the easiest thing to fumble on, I guess, when you have a concept like this of like that doesn't seem like it's important when you have this gear that is the best gear, right? Yeah. But it's important for that last piece of the puzzle of like, if I'm going to be doing that work, then I want to be full bore. Like I'm that thing. Yeah. So I and get that. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, part of it is I have a probably a perfectionist as my guys would probably call me, but um, I, I, okay. So we have this, this client, um, it's an important client to us and they bring us to some do some events at Ritz Carlton's really, really high end places. And I remember the first time I walked in, it was just like, whoa, like, do I even belong here? Like, <laughs> look at me, right? I don't, and this is super high end places, but they treated even, even though I'm wearing like, you know, a t shirt, whatever, when I walk in, they treated me really, really well. Like, I was just like anybody else that was a high level. And I realized it's about the respect of a human being, not about what their status is. Mm. And if we can make everyone, give a spot that when people walk in and they're like, wow, like, do I belong here? And then make them feel like, yeah, this is a place for you. Everybody feels a lot of value. And it's so important because when you feel value, you want to, you feel like you belong and it gives you purpose. I love that. Yeah. And I love it even um, with your location and with bringing that to New Hampshire. I feel like there's even a piece of that where people are like, do we even deserve it? Like, should this even be here? Do we create things like that? Yes, we do. Yes, we can hang out right here in Derry, New Hampshire and create. We don't have to go to Boston or LA or wherever. Yeah, I mean, that can a, happen right here. Yeah. And it's a strategic decision for us to be here. Very strategic, actually. So uh, Matt Newton, who is the uh, works for the Film Bureau for New Hampshire, um, he told me a while ago there was a creative space that was built up in Tilton. Um, and he said the, cons- the biggest issue with that was it was north of Manchester. Mm. And for us to be successful here, we need to have access to Boston easily or Boston and Massachusetts have easy access to New Hampshire. That's right. That's why we're south of Manchester on purpose. And we're right off the highway. Um, the new facility that we're already talking about building is literally on the new exit of their building. Um, it's much bigger than this and the access will be right there. And that's on purpose because it's if awesome. it's accessible and there's amenities around us, like there's a lot of food around us and, and hotels and everything, um, airports 10 minutes away everything was uh we really thought about all those things those factors about why here why are we in an industrial park making something like this and it's because of its access it makes sense to me yeah so cool so i guess now i definitely want to talk about just like more current things now that people kind of know where you've come from like why are we here why are we doing this let's talk about you know you've you've i've seen a couple of posts online you in this COVID time, I, we mentioned earlier on, on the podcast, actually just talking about different examples of people shifting and like, what are we doing to shift in these times? Like, I know some of the things that you've been doing. I don't know the most recent stuff that we can probably get into. What have you been doing where you said 90% of what you do dissipates? Like I'm sure, unfortunately, a lot of people out there, what, what are some of the pivots and things in the event industry or in this way that that you guys have have keep it even like obviously you're saying like i'm really keeping an eye on the ball with the way that we do our debt and everything like all of that is very smart to put you in a living position but what have you been doing in terms of these pivots and changes in this world here yeah you're looking at it i mean this wasn't here right this this was this room which is what we were hoping that people would just come and rent out, we've turned into our own production facility and studio to do virtual events. Um, so back in March, when we lost so many events so fast, um, we thought it was only going to last till like July was our guess. So we didn't put much thought into all of this. We said, okay, well, we have LED wall, we have cameras, we have all the streaming gear, we stream you know, shows all the time. Let's just do it here. Yeah, but then we're like, well, 
there's no events. Like, what are we streaming? And it, uh, there's a video online of us when the, that day that that happened, that that idea happened and everyone started building in here. And it was scary. I didn't know because it didn't really hit me that, you know, we're losing everything. And now we have, at that time, we had 16 full-time people. Um, and when you consider what your monthly overhead is versus losing all of your work, you really quickly think, how long can we last? Right. And when your people are everything to you, how do I keep taking care of them when this is happening? And I was like, okay, I got to get the wheel spinning. And that's something for me. My wheels are always spinning. They do. I probably drive people crazy because I can't make it stop. Yeah. But then it was just like, okay, if we do some sort of events here and invite people to do events here, like, um, will anybody show up and use the space? And we just built it. We didn't know if anyone was going to come. We're just like, let's build a space that's not at, on location at, you know, at, at, at a ballroom or outside for a festival. And let's just do it the same way we always do, but in our space and see if we can do an event. And I swear it was that night or the next day we were doing um, part of the uh, production audio for Dropkick Murphys for their upcoming tour for St. Patrick's Day. And um, they called and canceled. And we're mm. like, okay, great. So there's another one on them tubes. Right. Called back not long after that saying, hey, um, we saw that you guys were building this thing at your studio. Do you feel like we could do a live stream from your location? And I was like, Okay, it wasn't built yet, I and mean, we were still halfway building stuff, and um, and that was within like ten days that we that it was going to be their stream. Wow! So because our gear was literally packed to go out the door with them, um, so we uh, they came here. They said, "Yeah, let's let's make it work." And man, it was that was crazy for us that that is the turning point for us to virtual world at that moment because it's already a name act and they're gonna it's dropping murphy's if you don't know who they are they're the biggest kind of irish celtic pop band in so much ever, part right? of this but culture here they are especially in new england yeah they're Unreal. they're a very big deal from boston um but the uh saint patrick's day is like their day like if Right. I mean, that's who you 100%. go see, right, on St. Patrick's Day. Forever. So the fact that they were saying they're going to be here, it was like, okay, like, okay, well, what do we do? And like, I don't have enough camera operators right now. We've already had to lay off people. How do we make this happen? And we're just throwing gear, like, you know, audio, we had audio in this room with us. We had uh, um, another audio console. I don't even know where it was now. It was somewhere else in the building. Like, in this, oh, this was, this was the room. No, I mean, like, no, we had like, I mean, this is where the show, it was shot in this room. Yes. Okay. The, the live stream. Um, but uh, yeah, we're just trying to make it work and get gear in different parts of the building and then like running cables. Like, okay, well, we have all these walls now. Right? So how do we get cables to these spots to control it all? And it was just so fast. And then, and they kept adding some more things. And then uh, Ken, who's their lead singer and the front man, he's like me he just has a million ideas a minute and so things are being added to us the management's adding things and oh my we're God. just like realizing that this is becoming way bigger than we thought it was going to be and so i called up um i had my staff be here but then i also added another like 10 people to this because we had uh like eight camera operators in the end we have people controlling all the cameras you got people switching you got three audio engineers lighting oh right? my and, God. and the producers and it becomes like this thing it was amazing right because it was happening so fast and then we go live with the stream on that night and it was out of control. It was pre-show, like during the, we, we launched 10 minutes prior to the time that it was supposed to start. And we've got 180,000 people just in the queue Chilling. to watch it <laughs> on just Facebook. Then you go to YouTube. Oh, we were streaming to God. YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch at the same time. And uh, another platform. Oh, uh, Twitter. and. 180 or something like that in, in, in the queue for Facebook over a YouTube, 120,000 are waiting to which I don't even know what the other two were. And I was like, I was like, guys, like this is a lot of people like this can't fail. Right. <laughs> so thing launches. <laughs> and, um, I think it was like, uh, 
oh my god this is like bringing back like stress uh like five <laughs> minutes before this thing goes live um i forget what happened something crashed one so we have backups of backups of everything like all of them crash no no but it was a significant problem like i think our video input or something uh just like oh no i know it was the audio got completely out of sync like completely out of sync oh but we noticed it because we were rolling videos beforehand and people were talking in those pre-records and the they weren't lining up and we're like uh, oh my god you're so in the 10 minute it, section right yeah, now we have, we have like between all the queues almost a half a million people just ready to watch this thing and i'm like man i was like and my stress just went through the roof i can't i uh, uh so i literally just walked away and walked outside to just breathe and uh um donald and and, and my my team they're so good under pressure this is what they do right for events yeah um yeah they literally pulled the plug for a minute just to reset this one device uh and they found it was a simple thing but when you're under a lot of pressure nothing simple when nothing you're under simple, pressure like right that. and yeah. even with all the tests that we did beforehand to make sure everything was clean and and the prior streams something changed in there and they fixed it and they texted me like hey everything's good come back in i was like oh. so i come back in stream goes live one minute later and then the views just skyrocket and wow. uh and during the, the thing, it always was saying that we had about 500,000 total. And then we're like, wow, that's incredible. And then the stream ends and it says on Facebook, view, viewership was 5.7 million. And then on YouTube was another 5 million. And it was like, wait, what? Like, I thought it said 180,000. And we're like, no, that was concurrent views. That was you had people coming just in at that time. At that time. Oh my God. Yeah. And then... Um, I called my friend from NBC right after that. And I said, hey, Rob, how do you um, de- determine like how many views you actually get? Like how, who decides for like if you are for NBC to air a show, how many people are actually watching? How do you know? He goes, well, we have we can tell how many people are watching just because there's a there's uh, the cable providers tell us how many people are watching. Yeah. He's like, but that number doesn't tell you anything. He's like that. You have to keep in mind. Most people are not watching something by themselves. So he goes. You know, in your case, he's it, typically we can use depending if it's a holiday or a movie, a certain show that people watch as a family or as a couple or as one person, and they know that just from studies they've done. Right. But you can use a multiplier between a three, four, five, six, and seven based on how many people they think will be on average added to a number. And he's like, in your case, without a doubt in my mind, it's St. Patrick's Day. COVID is happening. People are stuck at home. It's the only positive thing happening right now. You can definitely use a four times multiplier, if not maybe a five. He's like, you had at least forty million people watching that. Whoa! <laughs> I was like, my god, what? And that was ten days before. I mean, right after we had just decided to just change everything, and that that we because of that we ended up in about fifty different publications, um, Billboard magazine, like everything. They just went everywhere it and and it became a standard of is this what the new normal for events is looking is going to look like yeah and literally magazine i'm getting publications from like italy people sending me stuff saying hey we saw i was like this is nuts oh my god and then um yeah and since then uh we've done over 50 virtual events in this room last night was the chamber of commerce the citizen of the year was in here um and every day we make it a little bit better. Like, how can we make this better and better and better and keep pushing it? And uh, I would say at this point, financially, we're still hugely struggling. Even though we've been busy here, it's a new market. And we weren't able to make enough revenue to continue. Right. Uh, we're, we're right on the break-even point right now. Um, I'm very, very concerned about this winter. Um, and uh, we're any money that we can make right now, we're just trying to save to get through. Um, but what's very exciting is what the future is going to look like for us and for a lot of companies. See, this isn't going away now. No. And events will come back. And now we're going to have to balance between that and have enough staff to manage it all. Um, so we're kind of projecting as this continues on that going forward, after there's uh, a some sort of solution for COVID, 
and events do return um, in a large capacity, that will be probably up 200% over the previous year. Yeah. I've been like very bullish that all of the innovation or the new things that came out because they were squeezed out and like, like this, like live streaming shows, we probably had the technology for a long time to do that. And like, no one cared or it like, didn't feel like that was the thing to do yet. But now it's like with the amount of time that I've spent doing, watching these, right. The amount of time, like me as a musician, I see that. I mean, I've seen this happening for a long time of people not coming to my show because of the other things that could be happening, right? All the different choices I now have to yeah. do for entertainment. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just, I just think that things like this, things like me being able to go to a store and then like automatically have something come out to my car, things like being able to order things amazingly, like all the innovation that happened. Why would that leave anywhere? Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't that stay and become part of like, oh, I didn't know that I could just not have a corporate office and have my 30,000 employees all work like more productive at home. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's like a lot of realizations coming out of this of like, this is a thing that we could do, or this is a thing that's amazing. Yeah. And I don't know why it would go back. Like there's well, no way. I guess it depends on what specifically you're talking about. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know what you're talking about, but I mean, in different instances. So for instance, the event industry, look at virtual production works and the events are happening and they're being successful, but there is no trade for in-person events. hundred percent. You cannot go to a trade show virtually. I'm sorry. Like we've been working around the clock, working on these virtual trade shows and other, you know, virtual types of events. You can't, if you can't get somewhere and hold it and touch an object that you're trying to buy or, you know, the trade show isn't as effective. It's informative, but you could just see a product video. Like, yeah. Right. So I, I feel like there's a giant mistake right now in that we're trying to take, I say we, I mean, uh, just people in the event industry are trying to make this same experience we were already having in person virtual. And it just, I don't see the value in that, especially certain types of things like trade shows. Concerts, yeah, you can watch at home. And some people really like that. We pulled people, for me, I hate it. Uh, like the whole virtual thing, like I don't want to be on my computer any more than I have to. Yeah. And I want the energy of being with other people. Uh, I don't want to be sitting at home watching something on my computer screen or an even augmented reality. I mean, right now, some of the stuff we're working on is, will blow your mind with what we're doing now. But the the whole augmented reality, virtual reality experiences are cool. Um, but you're still not necessarily physically with other people. Yep. And this is what humans thrive on is being together it's and part of working being together. human. It is part of being human. It's in fact it's not inhuman. I mean <laughs> and it's being alive, right? I mean you work with so I um I, I'm very much excited to, for when actual events will return. Um and it's it's hard right now to see venues opening up to a lower capacity. And what I think a lot of people don't understand right now is Venues cannot open to a smaller capacity and be successful. And it is very, very hard. You cannot, margins were already too thin. And man, it, it, it's tough. We were going to start um, one of the pivots on top of this. We were going to build a large outdoor stage at the airport. Very, sure. very, very large. Um, and the idea was any event that canceled in New Hampshire, we could reach out to them or venue and say, hey, here's a venue that's outdoors drive-in we literally planned the entire thing with full renderings of the stage we got the faa approval we got the cities we got every approval we needed to do and we were going to move forward at the end of the day there was no way for anybody to make money and it wasn't about making money we were trying to do it just to give people hope and something to do but it's going to be feasible for it, you, for, it was a loss for everybody it's got to. It's it, got it, it just wasn't going to work and yeah. there's drive-ins happening now um they'll, they'll do okay they're charging enough which is good um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I just want events to happen again because there's so much life with that. I, I hundred percent. And I mean, for me as like a smaller artist, my fear is the same fear for like, say like the mom and pop restaurants that are just like, they just can't. Right. And they're like, and we look at like, okay, are we going to have a long time of like less, more chain and less like mom and pop restaurants that that's my style right 
I also look at it as a musician and I see the great Scott closed down in Boston, mm-hmm. right? I do have a big fear with, I don't know enough about how long this lasts. I have a huge fear from a local level of how hard does this impact local arts as a, on the macro? Like mm-hmm. how, how, how long does it take for smaller local arts to have spaces to get back into I don't know. No one really knows. But. Well, I've been working on the committee for New Hampshire for, for all of these venues and it's tough right now. I mean, we're working with all the owners and it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I honestly don't think that we're going to have any sort of numbers return until next year. Yeah. Um, later next, like this time next year. And that's a really hard reality. I think we all have to face and we have to kind of push forward through all this in some way or another. There's always something that somebody can do, but I, I also think the reality needs to set in too, that like, that is a long time to, to survive and how does that happen? So government has, assistance has been really helpful for all of us, um, to get through this, um, the PPP money that we received and others, I mean, that's all burned through. We paid our staff. Sure. It's gone. And then the main street leaf fund specifically for New Hampshire has been a lifesaver. Um, so, yeah, um, but I mean, to talk about some more kind of positive things of where we're kind of going is, yeah. um, this is probably what I think I am super excited about. And it's also very, very hard to comprehend. I'll try to explain it the best I can. Um, have you seen the Mandalorian? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have not. Um, but <laughs> I know how it's made. Have you watched the behind the scenes? I have not. Okay, so I think it's also on Disney Plus. You can watch it. Um, it's our YouTube. The film industry is going through a big change right now, a shift um, of how there, there's a couple of reasons why it was already happening before COVID, based on a couple of different uh, movies that have been shot. Mandalorian was a big one that people really noticed, but there was The Lion King too was also shot this way. Hmm. Um, it's called virtual production, and what it is is it takes an LED wall like this and they curve it like this and you can create any environment you want on the video wall everything uh from like this mug to this microphone can be it's called a mega scan you can scan it in 3d and you cannot tell if it's real or fake through video so like we could put this microphone here but it not actually be here but the camera thinks it's real and when you see it you can't tell the difference you take all that information and the realness of this, and then you can build worlds and rooms, uh, buildings, whatever you want, um, using gaming engines that you would use for video games. Like the gaming un- engine being the brain for the LED wall. It's not the brain. It is. It's kind of the hub. So in this case, the Unreal Engine is what we're using. Yep. Um, which is, if you play Fortnite, they it's all powered by the Unreal Engine or any other. Uh, so not any other, but many games are built there. And you create worlds that are very, very real. That is how the Mandalorian was filmed, was in the Unreal Engine. All of those scenes you saw in the background was all built in that, in the Unreal Engine, right? Interesting. They took all those and put them across a video wall. So an actor could stand here and actually see the scene around them. Not green screen, not like have to go to a location. It's in a studio like this with the video all around them, shows the world. And the part that is the convincing part for film is we can now track the cameras in space and it will move the image on the video wall in perspective to where the camera is. So let's say you have a tree, uh, sorry, you have a person and a tree behind them. If you took a camera and went around the person, you should also see something different behind that tree. Mm. And if on the video wall is just a picture of a tree and you move around the person, you don't see anything different behind there. But if you can track where the camera is and move the image in perspective, you're now going to see something different behind there. So what it's very hard to explain. You can, you can look on YouTube and you can watch how it was made, but we're bringing that to New Hampshire. We're already doing it. Actually, the guys are in the other room right now working on in the unreal to bring in the footage in this room and start testing it. Um, that will allow us to start making films in New Hampshire. And that's really where I'm really passionate about. Um, and I want to just get 
more film creatives and screenwriters and directors to come in and just try things in their ideas. And, and I, I just feel like New Hampshire can be something more than it has been. It's a beautiful state. We have beautiful scenery. We have, um, we have a good tech industry here, but letting people really know about that. It's also a great place to live. And to, to say now the creative world, there's a lot more here than people think and let people know about that. And, and for me, that is providing a facility and structures, uh, infrastructure for that creativity to happen. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, we talked, um, there's a podcast that called the creative guts podcast. We had both those young ladies on here and that's one thing that we talked about, like in conjunction with the New Hampshire housing market, the creatives were here. It's different pockets or different places that they're at and they just need places to be at. They are here though. Yeah. 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 And there's, I mean, the creative pool is actually quite massive here. And I think we've been able to bring a lot of us together and I've brought, I've probably given over 200 tours to different creatives in New Hampshire alone in this building and getting to know them and then connecting them with each other so they can kind of use each other's uh, skills, um, not use, but, you know, hire each other or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, just work together. And um, there's like, I mean, people are in this state that have worked on feature films that um, like, I mean, top level acts are here. Godsmack is literally around the block from me, like, you know, Sully. And um, it's, there's, there's a lot in this state that I don't think has gotten recognition in the creative world. And I think there's a huge opportunity here um, for in, in potential growth that spurt that's going to come out of this. Um, and honestly, right now is a great time as people are home creating and, and, and posting more and getting things yeah. out there and sharing it. Yeah. You can look up, I mentioned this on the podcast before, I think, but like I was helping a friend who was starting a podcast and we were going through different setups it's probably still like that right now, but like every setup that's like a two input interface with a microphone and a, and a mic stand, like a bundle, Yeah, every bundle in the entire planet is sold out and it's been sold out for like months. And it's because people are just creating stuff. They are just starting businesses. They are starting businesses right now. There are people that are, are doing ridiculous things that they never could have done because of the little freeze. So like it's, Back to like on the, we had some stuff that we were talking about that's heavy. There is ridiculous positivity out of this too. Oh yeah, absolutely. You no, know, I'm for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that the positivity is going to continue to grow. And I think, I mean, there's been so much nonsense on social media and stuff. Just like, I mean, personally, just done with that, right? I mean, come on guys. Like there's so much more we can do with our lives and then complain about other people's problems. Like just move on and do something like that's worth doing. And, um, and and look forward to that and you know so and it's funny you say that. i mean like because you're looking at it from the podcasting side and, and gear's gone on my world there's no streaming equipment there's hardly any cameras to get yeah you know it, it's crazy everything's just selling out um and it's so it's like it's a good thing it's a bad thing um i don't know like it, it means that people are creating and Heck, I went to the uh, to go look at buying a mountain bike the other day, and there's no mountain bikes left. Like, yeah, you know, people just want to get out. So, just, like everything that you care about and love is just gone. gone. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. yeah. Wow. So yeah, I, I, it's. I don't know. I I personally have been feeling a lot of excitement lately, and um, good. Actually, in fact, I have to be honest. When this all just started in March, I don't know why I never got really that concerned, and I kind of felt a lot of energy through it. Even when things are crumbling. And I don't know why. I, and I talked to my team a lot about that. I was like, they're like, you seem like you're like, this isn't bothering you. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm just going to keep chugging along and like working on projects that I can do. Like, yeah, we have to put a freeze on everything financially, but we have so much here to just work with. Let's just use what we have and start making new things. And it was like, I think that's actually why it's exciting because you kind of look around what you already have and it doesn't have to be a studio with gear. It doesn't, it could be whatever it is you have. And you can start really like some of the things we may have put down for years, look at it and say, Hey, I'm ready to do that again. In fact, that's where the mountain biking thing came from. And I used to be like an avid biker. I haven't done it in years uh, and I still have it. I looked over it and I'm like, yeah, 
like now's a great time. I'm just get back into this. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good that's going to come out of this. And I just, I just, I want to ask people just positive, like and push forward and look to those positive things in their lives and, and being with people. But yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. I like it. It's a good, good mindset to have. Yeah. So we're coming to the end here. I have like five questions I usually ask at the end. I'm going to add one more okay. right now just because I want to, I guess. Yeah. Um, what would you, you know, because you kind of went from that beginning that you talked about. We talked about how we form these these different entities that you're doing and, and what we're going to move forward. What would you recommend back to some of these people who just like, they're like, I'm going to create stuff. Like people who are just starting to create right now if they ever want to grow things and then go into creating things like you've created, what would you give them for advice? Like in any, in any way, what would you give them for advice? Like, okay, you found this creativity. Now you really want, you've decided you're going to do something with it specifically. What do you tell someone who wants to create things like this in their life? Yeah. Make sure that you understand that there's a balance that will have to be played between the the love and creativity of what you're doing and business. If you want to continue what you're doing as a business and because you love it so much, don't get to a place where you hate it because it became a business. If you if you feel like trying to make a living doing what you're doing is causing you to not like it anymore, you need to really readdress and and, and go back to why you're doing what you're doing and maybe keep it as a hobby if you if 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 it's a love that you have that's really important yeah you can't like ruin the thing that you love no you can't i mean it's a passion and, and probably that passion will never go away so keep it that way and don't make it something that becomes an enemy of yours because you're trying so hard to make a living off of it cool yeah. so this question I ask is always a little bit redundant, but I always ask it at the end because it's a little bit more pointed. Where, what made you decide that out of any other thing that you could do when you wake up in the morning, why is this stuff that you're doing, why is this the stuff that you just had to do or have to do now? What makes it the thing? Because of the energy of being around creative people. It just sure. makes me feel like I'm alive every day. Cool. Yeah. I yeah. believe it. Yeah. I mean, you get good energy. There's like, what, four of us in here? And I like, I feel great energy because I, I also just love being around creative people. I'll just ask, yeah. I'll, I'll put them on a pad ca- podcast and ask them questions all day. I'll, I'll go ask those guys in the <laughs> next room questions all day long. But, yeah. um, so in this process, what would you say that, you know, even if you learn something from it, if you could just, give a lesson from someone some like from it and give it to someone and have them not repeat it. What's like the biggest mistake or like the biggest thing where you're like, I learned a lot from this, but like this sucks. Like don't do that thing <laughs> along the way. <laughs> um, man. Uh, uh, from a business perspective, Any? Or, yeah. I mean, from a business perspective, uh, <laughs> is, I never took any business classes before I started this. I based it purely off of being passionate about audio. <laughs> uh, that could have easily gotten me into a lot of trouble because I started a company, didn't know how to do business taxes, didn't know how to form, like, you know, I, there were so many things that were probably illegal that I was doing just because I didn't know. So, like, I just want to say to anybody who wants to start a business is, Find a mentor that is that understands business that can help you along the way, so that you don't overlook really important things like the IRS and uh, you know New Hampshire employment security for New Hampshire and other things that you just like. You get so caught up in the creative that in in your passion, you don't want to deal with these things. And we never ran into any problems, but I ended up hiring people that knew all these things. Luckily, they're like, "You're not doing this, like." You can't pay someone like that. You can't <laughs> like, and it could have yeah. been a problem. So, um, yeah, I just, it's, 
when you're blending your passion in business, get proper mentors in your field that you can look up to and they can help you get started. I probably could have shaved off like two or three years of growth. Like I, I didn't grow fast at all at the beginning. If I had just talked to somebody, I could have done it faster. Fair. I will say one thing in your defense is that I have an MBA and I'm still getting slapped with all that <laughs> crap all the time. It's just like, you don't, you don't know until you're like in yeah. the, you the don't, business you don't, you that you're don't doing know. until all of a sudden like it's happening. And then you're yes. like, oh, that's a thing that's happening that I need to figure <laughs> out today. I didn't know that that was an issue that even happened until yeah. it happened. Yeah. So flip side to it, like best thing that you came up with along the way or best decision that you made along the way that you'd always recommend everyone like definitely make this decision uh definitely the financial part cool yeah get tight with it don't don't take on debt unless you absolutely have to um there and again there are times when debt makes sense but you have to really understand when and why Mm. um so uh just real quick a mortgage makes sense because you you can use all the capital that you're not using for things that can make more money than liquid Exactly. So there's a lot of reasons um, for certain things, but yeah, set yourself up for success, long-term success, not just don't go willy-nilly and always charge what you're worth. Don't, don't be cheap. It's, it will never get you anywhere. Race to the bottom. It is always a race to the bottom. Yeah. Lose some gigs and get paid more for the ones you do. Cool. Yeah. Very good advice. All right. So this one is a little bit easier, I guess, than some of these is uh, what's like a resource that you'd recommend to people? It could be a book, a video, a podcast, a movie, like just one resource in, in creative or business doesn't matter that you think people should check out. Um, how I built this, which is podcast. podcast. Absolutely. Hell yeah. A friend was telling me about that the other day and I still haven't, I haven't checked that out yet, but yep. that's so in my alley. It's so a NPR it podcast um, yeah. by Guy Raz and it has done phenomenally interviews uh, some of the most successful entrepreneurs uh, in the world and just get their stories. And man, uh, I feel like my, my life aligns with a lot of them. And it's really, that really gives me a lot of um, hope that maybe I'm on the right path. Right. Yeah. When you're like, wh- like you get to these points where you're like, what in the hell am I doing right now? This is crazy. <laughs> and then you have someone else be like, yeah, I did something like that. And that's, it worked out. Yeah. So. Uh, last one, where do people keep up with you? Where do they keep up with Events United Studio Lab? Like where do they check you out and keep up with you? Yeah, our our Instagram pages are really uh, every day, a lot of activity on them for both Events United and Studio Lab. Um, and Facebook, all of our social media is very active. Um, Lauren does a killer job just keeping up to date every day. And um, our websites are also constantly being updated and they have all of our stories of every virtual event that we do. Um, so studiolab.community and eventsunited.us. Um, and yeah, you can find out more on any of these platforms. Cool. Awesome. So anyone out there that is listening to this and they're doing something actively, I will have that resource that Tim mentioned. I'll also have all of those links at wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes. Check out episode 67. You will see all those links. You don't have to write anything down. You don't have to put that in the, uh, the pages app on your phone or anything like that. You've got it. So cool. cool. Dude, right. thank you so much for letting me in your, your place right now and taking an hour of time to chat on life. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been great, man. I really appreciate you coming. Thanks for being on, man. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed episode 67 with Tim from Events United and Studio Lab out of Derry. Definitely encourage you to go check out their websites. I've got them all in the show notes at wakingupfromwork.com slash show notes and definitely hit them up or go check out their space sometime because it is awesome. I can, I can tell you that from both a nerd and from a creative non-nerd aspect, the, the gear and the people in there are both amazing assets of the place and uh, I'll definitely be hanging around there throughout my times. Uh, Great people, great stuff going on there. So uh, if you want to help us out here on the podcast and you're enjoying what you're getting from it, you can do that really easily just by sharing the love a little bit. Share this with people you think might benefit from it. Subscribing if you aren't right now and leaving us a review is very helpful and a free thing to do. Maybe on your lunch or coffee or something like that, you could really 
hook me up. But I appreciate you for hanging out with me. I appreciate you taking an hour or more every single week to hang here and engage on social and, and be a part of this. Thank you guys so much. If if there's anything that you want me to cover that I haven't yet, please hit me up at Dave Wake Up on Instagram. You can DM me or you can email me, wakeupfromworkpodcast at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear from you, even if you just want to tell me some things that were your favorite episode or episodes that you didn't like or any feedback like that is always really helpful for me to figure out what I'm doing here because I am just going and not stopping. So next week we have on episode 68, Zachary James from Zachary James Photos. He shot the photos for my last band shoot. And I think we're going to talk a little bit about like finding the vision for a project. And I always have a fun time collaborating with photographers because I don't know what I'm doing, but I really think that I have an eye for what I'm trying to get out of it in terms of both a image for what it's supposed to show and also kind of setting the scene to make that vibe, I guess. But we're going to talk more on that next week at Dave Wake Up on Instagram, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. You can hang out with us live and chat in with us, or you can certainly hang out here Tuesdays, 6 a.m. is the new time because my Sundays were getting ruined when I had the Monday morning. So thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Waking Up From Work podcast. Cheers. Cheers.